From Washington, D.C., across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence, powered by the research of Talkers magazine, The National Conversation. It's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison. Thank you, Victoria Jones. Monday, November 29th through Friday, December 3rd, 2021. The week brought us a provocative mixture of new stuff along with more of the same. As we enter the first weekend of December, the onset of Hanukkah, and the final 20-some-odd shopping days before Christmas. Another tragic school shooting. More trouble for Roe v. Wade. Not to mention trouble for the brothers Cuomo. China, China, China. Alec Baldwin, I didn't pull the trigger. January 6th, violent insurrection or innocent riot. The economy's stupid. And, oh my God, Omicron. Hey, news junkies, we're about to embark upon a bold hour of Black Belt Talk Radio, during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. We've got lefties, we've got righties, we've got fence-sitters. Try not to get angry, but... Your educated skepticism is indeed welcome. Our guests include Dr. Dahlia Wax in Las Vegas on the Omicron variant, Paul Vandenberg expressing the New York state of mind on the Chris and Andrew show, Joe Madison in Washington, D.C., reporting in on his personal hunger strike for the protection of voting rights, and Steve Weissman in Boston on the 12 scams of Christmas. As Steve answers the question, are things as bad as they seem? No. They're worse. It's the power-packed one-hour radio show that's become appointment listening, featuring opinionated yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones, and digital recording devices, sharing their observations, as well as the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do their daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented, noisy world where we try to avoid the modern-day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Rap. Heard coast to coast and around the world on great radio stations in the U.S. and the U.K. The past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Information's gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. Let's get ready to mumble. Fasten your sea crane CC earbuds. Speaking of which, this installment of the Michael Harrison Rap is sponsored in part by Sea Crane. Makers and distributors of great radios. Give a radio to someone for Christmas. Visit their website at ccrane.com or give them a call at 800-522-8863. Okay, here we go. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Kevin, give us a rundown of the 10 most talked about stories on talk shows in America this past week. Thank you, Michael. At number 10 this week, the holidays tied with scams and the impact of social media on our society. Welcome to the first weekend in December and a countdown to the second Christmas of the pandemic era. Beware the dangers lurking in the wild west world of the internet this holiday season. We'll begin a two-part series this week on the 12 scams of Christmas. At number 9, a tie between immigration reform and race relations. The crisis on the southern border continues to be a burgeoning problem, and talk radio covers it like no other medium. And race relations continues to simmer as a focal point of conversation, exacerbated by the struggle between red states pushing for voter restraints, while the federal government struggles 
with voter protection. We'll be checking in with SiriusXM's Joe Madison, who's now in the third week of his hunger strike in support of the latter. At number eight, U.S.-China relations. Between China flexing its military muscles, tension over Taiwan, doubts about the origins of COVID, and numerous other economic and human rights issues, relations between the superpowers are growing increasingly strained. We're wading deeper and deeper into what is clearly the great Cold War of the 21st century. At number seven, CNN suspends Chris Cuomo, tied with the Alec Baldwin Rust case. The TV career of disgraced ex-governor Andrew Cuomo's younger brother is indefinitely on hold due to what appears to be compromised journalistic ethics. Meantime, the DA's report on Andrew Cuomo's conduct as governor proves to be damning on many levels, from his conduct with women to the cover-up of COVID deaths in nursing homes. The rest case is back in the news. As Alec Baldwin says, I didn't pull the trigger. Much more to come on that, I'm sure. At number six, a tie between the looming government shutdown and Donald Trump's role within the GOP. A federal government shutdown has been averted, at least for the time being, as the Senate passed a stopgap bill on Thursday that will extend funding through mid-February after the House approved the measure earlier in the day. The bill will now go to President Biden for his signature. This event is a rare showing of bipartisan cooperation, as former President Donald Trump continues beating the drum of election fraud and the country remains divided heading into the 2022 midterm election year. At number five, the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade. The nation's highest court heard oral arguments Wednesday in a case over Mississippi's law banning abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The Supreme Court's decision could potentially overturn the 1973 ruling in the case of Roe v. Wade, which set the precedent for a constitutional right to abortion. At number four, the Michigan high school shooting tied with gun laws and crime and violence. Yet another tragic school shooting rocked the nation Tuesday as a troubled 15-year-old was charged as an adult with terror murder, and other counts in connection with a shooting that killed four students and wounded seven other people at Oxford High School, located north of Detroit. These shockingly frequent events challenge Americans to resist becoming emotionally and intellectually numb to the ongoing horror of this societal cancer. At number three, the January 6th investigation. As mentioned earlier, the role of former President Trump's political position within the GOP is on full display as the hearings continue. And the committee issues subpoenas to members of Trump's inner circle, several of whom are risking incarceration for contempt of Congress by not cooperating. At number two, a three-way tie between inflation, the supply chain, and the labor force. As the saying goes, it's the economy, stupid. As the nation comes to grips with the impact and financial aftermath of the first two years of the pandemic. And there are many conflicting points of view as to the causes of and solutions to this messy situation. Is the inflation going to be long-term or just temporary? And exactly what are the causes for the present shortages in the labor force that are impeding economic operations and progress? And what exactly will be the impact of the Biden Build It Back Better budget Expenditures. And at number one this week, the COVID-19 Omicron variant, vaccines, mandates, and politics. Just when it seemed we might have the Delta variant under control, along comes Omicron with a whole new set of questions and fears. And a continuation of the divisive debate over vaccines, masks, and mandates. And by the way, uh, the cold months of winter are coming on. Have you gotten your flu shot yet? Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. 
With all going on in the nation and the world, Talker's research shows COVID-19 is still the most talked about topic on news talk media programs. Now it's the Omicron variant that's captured everyone's attention. Joining us from Las Vegas is our medical correspondent and nationally syndicated talk show host, heard daily on the Genesis Communications Network, in addition to being a widely respected physician, Dr. Dahlia Wax. Dr. Wax, now we have a new thing to worry about. Omicron, or I'm sure a lot of people are saying, oh my God. Um, <laughs> you know, first of all, before we even get into it, where do these names come from? Well, great, great question. You know, originally over Thanksgiving weekend, we heard that there was going to be a new variant and they were going to go down the letters of the Greek alphabet and use new and you. So I wrote a piece. I was interviewed uh, on local TV about the new variant, the NU. And then the next day, the World Health Organization changed it to Omicron. So the names get decided by the World Health Organization and they go by the Greek alphabet and they wanted to avoid any letters like Z or Z to compare to you know any leaders in china and so it, it is a little subjective but they like using the omicron letters so we don't call the alpha variant the uk variant anymore or the beta variant the um uh south africa or i'm sorry the delta uh, yeah or, the delta uh, originally yeah. was india and then was the, india, the, exactly. and now this one is south africa right. uh, so we're so we're politically correct now whereas i remember yes. you know the the asian flu and the spanish flu and and all of right. these things we live in a different world it's hard to keep up with all this. For example, the last couple of times we spoke, we were talking about a variant of the Delta, which is a variant of the original COVID-19. Is Omicron a variant of the Delta variant, or is this something completely new that's in the coronavirus family, or is it connected to COVID-19? And if you don't know the answers, I'm sorry for putting you in a corner like that, because I, I don't know if anybody knows the answers. To no, no, things. no. It's a fantastic question. Um, we are surmising that this isn't necessarily an offshoot of Delta, because the way they figured out that there was the Omicron variant in a patient in South, uh, in uh, San Francisco is because they found a gene drop off. And this S gene drop off is only present in the alpha variant and the Omicron variant. So we think it's a different lineage. Um, but it has identical mutations to all these other variants that keep coming forward, which is why the discussion of when are we going to fine tune our vaccines keep coming up because they're the same mutations that in the spike protein that keep coming up. So what should we know uh, that, that is already known, or at least what is uh, currently surmised by the medical community? What should we know about Omicron? Great. So Omicron is something that we are guessing um, was already prevalent before it started to get picked up because the testing always lags. Until somebody decides to test for it and do genomic sequencing, they won't be looking for it. And so we have a Minnesota resident who had traveled to New York City around uh, November 19th to 21st, came back. So we're assuming Omicron then was in New York the week before. So what we know now is it's probably been circulating for a few weeks. We know that it does affect those who are vaccinated and it can infect unvaccinated. We know that thus far, most of the symptoms are mild, but we're also hearing that hospitalizations are up around the world and we haven't identified if that's Delta variant or Omicron. So that's why everybody keeps saying, we'll wait a week or two until we find out. It's because they want to test those in the hospital to see if they are the Omicron variant carriers or Delta. So how effective are the current vaccines against Omicron? 
Uh, do they know how well they work or if they work at all? At this point, we can't tell. Oh, but okay. what we do know is both people in America who have had it and many of the public reports of people getting it said, but I was fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, you know, now millions of people are fully vaccinated. So if there is going to be a new virus, of course, we're going to see it in the vaccinated population. But thus far, the people who have been identified in the United States, both were fully vaccinated. Well, this this brings up, you know, the political side of it. You know, oh, say vaccinated people were, you know, get uh, COVID. Therefore, the vaccine doesn't work. And, and, and the nuance of, well, maybe they're less likely to get it if they're vaccinated. That sort of gets lost, you know, mm-hmm. in the shuffle. Um, just to put out any mm-hmm. sparks of misinformation, people are not going to mm-hmm. get COVID because of the vaccination for, for uh, not get Omicron by the vaccination. Right. I mean, that's highly unlikely, correct? I want to make sure right. that because right. people, people run with whatever they can to make their political point as opposed to trying of to course. find scientific um, information. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, when I hear that vaccinated people thus far have been coming up positive for this, to me, that doesn't mean the vaccine made you vulnerable. But what it does mean is the vaccine doesn't make you completely immune. Vaccination is only one small part of the COVID fight. Because, you know, one stand I have, and I never want anybody to confuse me with being anti-vax, I support the vaccine. What I don't support is the, is the, the concept of, well, as long as you're vaccinated, you're good. And vaccinated people can still spread the virus. They could still become ill. And I get so frustrated when vaccinated people call me through telemedicine being sick, going, well, it's not COVID, so it's something else. And I go, who told you it's not COVID? Well, I'm vaccinated. And so, you know, I don't believe the vaccine makes anybody vulnerable to the variant, but it just reminds us that just because you're vaccinated, you're not immune and you're not infectious at, at, at any level. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine it makes you crazy hearing the misinformation and the um, the distortion, yeah. the spin that, yes. that people. Yes. There's a lot of spin uh, going on mm-hmm. uh, about this uh, whole situation. I know that you are uh, personally anti-mandate, but you are pro-vaccination uh, yep. if people choose to go that route. Um, look, you do a radio show every day, and a lot of politics seeps its way into it uh, because there's a lot of politics surrounding medicine yep. these days. Yes. Uh, from what I understand, Joe Biden has been walking a very careful line between um, being pro-vax, but not necessarily being pro-mandate. Have you noticed he's been very yes. careful about that? What are your thoughts? Yes. Well, now that the courts have gotten involved and the courts have said OSHA overreach, the you know, the, there's been overreach. He has to be very, very careful with the midterms coming up mm-hmm. and and w- to mandate something that can when when vaccinated individuals can carry the virus and be at work and you're not letting, you know, people who are unvaccinated go to work or go into a restaurant claiming, well, they could spread the virus. It starts to lose that legal legal water and mandates can actually hurt the vaccination pro call. I'm, I'm pro vaccines. And when I hear that parents are going to pull their kids out of school to avoid the mandate, then are parents also going to then take their kids in for the regular school vaccine? So when I, when, when, if you're a public health proponent, you really have a much different attitude towards mandate because you could see it actually can hurt public health if not approached the correct way. That's nationally syndicated radio talk show host and respected physician, Dr. Dahlia Wax of the Genesis Communications Network. Coming up next, a look at the Brothers Cuomo as seen from the capital city of the Empire State. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. 
Hey, fellow radio lover, now that Christmas is rapidly approaching, are you feeling the pressure to come up with a cool gift for that special friend or relative in your life? Especially with all those high-tech here-today-gone-tomorrow gizmos flooding the marketplace? Well, here's a gift idea I bet you never even thought of. Get him a real radio that you chose online from a gigantic selection of radios. C. Crane specializes in high-quality radios, AM, FM, and shortwave radios, big radios and small radios, high-powered radios and battery-operated radios, even radios with cranks when no power is available, and radios that can access the Internet. C. Crane is the place to go to find a unique holiday gift for that radio lover in your life, and perhaps one for yourself. Call 800-522-8863. That's 800-522-8863. Or visit them online at ccrane.com. That's ccrane.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison rap. CNN Evening Talk Show host Chris Cuomo's journalistic handling of the sensitive story about his brother Andrew, the former governor of New York, and his relationship with the embattled politician have caused him to be indefinitely suspended from his position at the news organization. Joining us now is the morning host and owner at our affiliate in Albany, New York, Talk 1300, Paul Vandenberg. Chris Cuomo actually went to high school here. He went to Albany Academy. And so he's got, a, he's got a bit of a background here. His brother, Andrew, didn't go to high school here, but he also, they both lived here at times when their father was governor. And Chris Cuomo gets very little chatter around here, except for his TV show, which nobody around here seems to like. And everybody was upset over the interviews he was doing with his brother last year. At the same time, Mike, it's unbelievable how people here can't, Stop talking about Andrew. Andrew is just despised. And people around here are just so happy that he's out. That is, you know, Chris got a little chatter this week that he's out. People wanted to talk to me early in the morning about how they don't think he'll be back. They think his TV career is over. And that's fine. But they still can't stop talking about Andrew. And the story, the reason is, there's, there's a bit of a reason. The attorney general here in New York this week released all the paperwork on the investigation into Andrew. And there were a lot of things in there that people found out for the first time, including some commentaries uh, between his staff members that were ugly about the women who were involved in bringing the complaints against Andrew Cuomo. So Andrew was much more in the news this week, believe it or not, than his brother Chris in Albany. Is there more concern about uh, the fact that uh, Andrew also is on the hot seat about his handling of COVID at the nursing homes than just the uh, the women situation? Yes, it was. Yes, exactly. It was both. Uh, you know, the, the, the COVID, the handling of the COVID, and the people involved with him, Mike, his staff, the people close to him, and what they were doing during the uh, during during the uh, the COVID and the issue with the elderly folks and what they were doing behind the scenes and none of it's any good. I mean, it's all bad. And when people start getting confirmation of the really unprofessional, unorganized uh, atmosphere that was going on inside the Capitol during all this, it makes them feel worse. And you know, they feel awful for these families that lost their people, obviously lost their mothers, lost their fathers, but they see the ineptitude of these folks. And it's really it really makes it 10 times worse. You know, it's interesting is that, you know, you talk about the people in the capital area being obsessed with uh, Andrew Cuomo. It's very similar to um, people um, who do not like Donald Trump. 
being obsessed with him after his presidency. The difference being, though, that uh, Trump haters are concerned that Trump is working his way back to power. Is there that kind of concern about Andrew Cuomo? Well, there has been, yes. There's a lot of people that think that he'll try. In fact, one of the one of the topics back here in the last two weeks has been that he may try to uh, try to get back to the position of attorney general in New York. Mike, I've got to tell you, it's hard to believe that this guy has any future in the public sector. I mean, he has just crippled himself as far as any future. And uh, I, I, I don't see anything coming up down the road for him. Okay, well, how about Kathy Hochul now as the, 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 the successor to the governorship? Is she getting a lot of buzz? What is, what's the feeling about her as governor, or, or is she just a placeholder? Kathy Hochul, Mike, was really not up to the job. She was put in as a bit of a, you know, a, a figurehead. She's from Western New York. I think the Cuomo people thought that she would, she would give them a little sway out in the Buffalo area, but she never was any part of the Cuomo administration. In fact, when she took over from Andrew Cuomo, she, the first day on the job, she kind of sort of said, you know, I'm, I really haven't had anything to do with these people up till now. In other words, I got nothing to do with him. I'll start on my own. But she's been awful. She just, her, her main goal is she has to run next year. And because she's from Western New York, which is on the opposite side of the state of New York City, she's really not known in New York City. So all she's been doing, or one of the things she's been doing a lot of in her first few months, has been pandering to the New York City base to try to ingratiate herself with the Democratic Party in New York City. In the meantime, she's made a lot of mistakes with COVID and changing some of the rules here, and she's been talking a lot about changing more rules in New York which is not being really embraced by the public here. You know, one of the things I'm finding with COVID here, Mike, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the country, but even when I bring it up in the morning on my show, people are quick to say they've had it with COVID. We've had it, okay? And they don't want people even suggesting, as has been suggested here in New York, that they may have to go back to wearing a mask or or anything. They don't want to hear about the restrictions. Hmm. And she has been kind of sort of embracing the concept of potential restrictions coming up. So she has not done a very good job. She's going to be primaried, plus she's going to have a Republican, probably Lee Zeldin, who's going to run against her. So she's got a tough road in the next nine months. That's Paul Vandenberg, the morning host and owner of our affiliate in Albany, New York, Talk 1300. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Let's pivot down the coast to Washington, D.C., where the morning host of Sirius XM Satellite Radio's Urban View Channel, Joe Madison, is now in the third week of his hunger strike to protest the wave of voter registration legislation that's sweeping the state houses across the red states of America. How many days have you been on the hunger strike now? Actually, day 25. Um, yeah, it's day 20, 25. And uh, it, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, sincerely, Michael. I I have no intention of uh, of, of stopping uh, until um, the Senate uh, puts this on the agenda and, and takes a vote on you know three opportunities they have. Either uh, they can uh, deal with the filibuster, which I think is probably a long shot. Uh, the John Lewis bill, uh, which uh, is a possibility, and then the uh, Freedom to Vote Act, which, by the way, 
includes elements of the John Lewis bill. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I think really it, it simply requires uh, 51 votes or, or more. And so that is uh, my intention and to keep the pressure on. And I would say this, um, it, it, it's not just you know, one person. This is not about Joe Madison and the hunger strike because it's going to take a, a coalition I, I, of, 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 of all kinds of people. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and that's the response I'm getting. Um, to be honest, uh, my spirits are high. My weight is down, which is expected. Uh, but it's not about me losing pounds, Michael. It's about uh, gaining Senate votes. How's the traction been on this uh, in terms of the actual nitty-gritty, meaning the Senate doing something about it? Are you are you making headway, or is it still very early where um, it hasn't, um, you know, uh, been picked up as something that uh, is adding pressure to their moving in this direction? Oh, oh, no, I think the pressure is on. Uh, now, I can speak for uh, my audience. Uh, they clearly uh, are, are responding. I've asked them uh, to uh, use whatever platform they have uh, to, to uh, at least contact. I've targeted uh, four individuals. One is Schumer, because he's the majority leader. He's the one that can, uh, 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 who has the agenda. The calendar can be our enemy in this uh, regard. Uh, obviously, Manchin, Joe Manchin, Cinema uh, 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 from Arizona, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then, of course, uh, I've said, contact your, your two senators. There, there may very well be uh, moderate Republicans who, can, who are looking at uh, one of those three uh, bills that I've mentioned, or those three scenarios I've mentioned, who may say, look, this, this should be a bipartisan uh, issue, because all we're talking about is, is, is protecting the right to vote. That's that's really what's about. Um, you know, I I found out uh, this morning, and I discussed it on my show, that uh, there was a that back in April, uh, there were there was boilerplate legislation that was actually handed to uh, state representatives uh, to what they admittedly said was to maintain. Uh, the big lie that Donald Trump actually won in November, and uh, what the, what either one of these bills do, uh, particularly the John Lewis bill and the uh, Freedom to Vote bill, it checks that. Um, and and so what I'm what I'm hearing, even from uh, some senators, is that. Uh, they understand that uh, that uh, that the federal government has the authority uh, to uh, uh, to assure that that the right to vote is quite honestly 
uh, protected, and and that and that it's not about uh, the big lie, and people are responding to that, Michael. Hmm. Have you heard at all from the executive branch, uh, from from Biden or his people, uh, in terms of um, just moral support for you or any reaction? No, I've I've not heard from the Biden administration. Uh, I have heard, as I mentioned, uh, from uh, uh, some some senators. I see, uh, and those and those that I have heard from. Uh, have, have encouraged me uh, to uh, keep the pressure on. How do you feel? How, how has uh, so many uh, days now, weeks of um, hunger striking, which means that you're eating liquid food, liquid nourishment, how has it affected you physically and, and mentally? Well, well, let me let me let me point out how the the uh, that number one, I've got. A good team around me. Uh, my daughter uh, is a, is really a, a somewhat of a nutritionist. She has been uh, keeping tabs on me, uh, making sure that that when I juice, that I do it properly. Um, and I'm learning a lot from her that I didn't learn from Dick Gregory. Uh, and I've got a, a friend of mine. Uh, he's a celebrity chef, Timothy Dean, uh, who uh, has uh, shown me how to uh, blend certain uh, uh, vegetables and, well, mostly fruit. So my routine has been, uh, obviously, a lot of water. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of water. Uh, the only uh, uh, other is has been broth. So I've I've kept to uh, to their recommendation, water, uh, you know, broth, and uh, and and then every now and then I, I might throw a uh, a smoothie in. But I'm keeping to my commitment that that I will not uh, indulge or eat solid uh, food, mm-hmm. and I've made that clear. I made that clear. Uh, uh, and and again, this isn't about wanting to get sick or or die, because uh, I've said, and 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 I hope people understand, folks, in order to get the right to vote and to protect the right to vote down through the decades, people have sacrificed more than food. Mm-hmm. More and more than than a ham sandwich. Well, I shared I shared uh, on, I shared on the air last week um, that uh, you and your wife had a talk about this that you and I had talked, and that uh, you said to her that you're prepared to you know put your life on the line if necessary in terms of well, sacrifice I, if, if 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 well, it comes that to that. Was, that was the question she asked. I mean, you know, she, I mean, we had that uh, that honest uh, discussion, and 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 I I told her. If it's necessary, and and that's what I I want the senators to know. This isn't about, well, I can wait him out, because now it's gone beyond uh, the, the, uh, uh, you know, the attention that I've gotten. Uh, I've got, you know, just uh, today, uh, while we're recording this, I got an email uh, from uh, from a representative. There are 40 
young people uh, in Arizona who decided that they're going on a hunger strike. And and they have uh, they indicated to me that they are contacting cinema uh, uh, to let them know how they want her to vote. That's Joe Madison, a longtime civil rights activist and influential talk radio personality who hosts mornings on Sirius XM Satellite Radio's Urban View Channel. Coming up next, an overview of the 12 scams of Christmas. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, G2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public. G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis. In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit Genesis2Project.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap as we discuss the hottest topics of the past week in the national conversation. Well, here we are, the first weekend in December. Thanksgiving is behind us, Hanukkah is happening, and Christmas is no longer something we can procrastinate about. And those filthy, stinking scammers are out there doing their dirty deeds in what seems like record-breaking numbers. Joining us now is one of the nation's leading scam busters. He's a law professor at Boston's Bentley University and the founder of Scamicide.com, Steve Wiseman. Steve will now present the first of a two-part series the 12 scams of Christmas. The, the most prominent one, because so many people are doing uh, their, their shopping online, uh, is the phony reta- retail websites. Uh, this thing is going to be a, uh, a huge problem. You know, just like when they do the, uh, the flu vaccine, when it is uh, it, it's determined and uh, fixed, they go to Australia and see where the, what the flu is like there, what kind of strain, and then they use that to predict what it's going to be in the United States. Uh, we have that with scams and the Christmas scams because there's a, a unique holiday in China called Singles Day. And Singles Day was December 1st, and it's a good place to see uh, what kind of scams are going to be occurring here. And the biggest thing is thousands and thousands of phony retail websites. You're looking for the latest toy. Uh, maybe it's the Baby Yoda animatronic toy uh, or the Nintendo Switch or LOL surprise dolls. You go online searching for it, and uh, up comes a, uh, a website right at the top of your search, and you go to it, you put in your credit card, don't put in your debit card, we'll get into that in a second, uh, and boom, 
you, uh, you end up uh, losing that money because it's a phony website. Now, sometimes the websites, they look phony. Other times they really look good, and they're at the top of that web search, which occurs in two ways. Either the scammers buy a, an ad, which puts them up at the top, and that you always know to be wary of, or just by having the knowledge to manipulate the algorithms that are used for placement, they're able to get a high rating. Fortunately, if you're willing to take this one step, you'll be able to protect yourself. And I did this with a, uh, with a TV station for uh, NBC. Uh, and what, they do, what we do is we looked at the website, and this one was a Walmart website. looked terrific. looked just like the Walmart website. You go, you take the URL, and, and often they will, they will have that Walmart URL that looks good. Sometimes it's not look good, you can dismiss it, but it looks really good. You go to a website called whois.com, and what this does is it will tell you who owns a uh, particular website. So we took that, that uh, Walmart website, went to whois.com, and it turns out that it was uh, owned by someone uh, in uh, Nigeria. So we know that it's a scam. But you really have to be careful with that. And the other thing is never, ever, ever online pay for anything with anything other than a credit card. Don't use your debit card. Your debit card comes right out of your bank account. The law doesn't provide you with anywhere near the protection from fraudulent purchases that you get with a credit card, and it can just you can lose your whole bank account with it. So always use your credit card when you're when you're shopping online. What a terrifying thought that is, and uh, that's probably the best advice of all. Let's go to another one now. Well, you've gone to a good website. It's a legitimate website, and you put in your credit card. You've done everything right, but there's, uh, there's a problem that the uh, FBI has just been recently warning about called e-skimming. You know, we, we know about skimmers. These are like when you put your card into an AM, a, ATM that's been hacked and it takes your number. Well, sort of the same thing when you're talking about e-skimming. This is where the website itself has been hacked. They don't know it. And uh, their credit card processing, they're taking stealing your credit card. Now, the, when you are using your credit card in a, in a brick-and-mortar store these days, you use the chip, and that gives you terrific protection. But you can't use the chip when you're buying online, so you're still going to be giving your credit card number. So quite frankly, there is nothing you can do to protect yourself from e-skimming. They are going to get your credit card. So the thing to do is you've got to monitor. You've got to monitor your credit card statement and good idea to even do it online rather than waiting for the monthly paper bill uh, to come in to see if your credit card was compromised. If it is, you contact your, your credit card company and you report it. Technically, the law says that you are responsible for up to $50 of fraudulent purchases. But in the, all of the years that I've been doing this, uh, I have never seen a credit card company charge anyone for the fraudulent purchase. So use your credit card, but monitor it when you're doing it online. Let's go to number three. You know, Christmas e-cards. E-cards are a terrific way to send a holiday greeting. You can do it at the last minute, and it'll get there on time. And again, the scammers are aware of this. So what they do is they will send you what appears to be an online greeting card. And when you get the online greeting card, the legitimate one, 
you have to click on a link. And that's one of the things where clicking on links that you're not sure are legitimate is the biggest way uh, that we have data breaches. It's the biggest way that malware is downloaded. You've always got to confirm that. So if you get an e-card that is coming from a friend, well, you really can't trust that. And frankly, even when it uses the name of someone that you do know, I think it's, you know, even paranoids have enemies, and so it's always better to check. And so if you confirm with them that they sent you the e-card, you can open it confidently. All right, let's move on to number four. Gift cards. Gift cards are, they're, they're wonderful, they're ubiquitous, and uh, they're easy, easy to buy, and uh, they're a great gift to get. The problem is, what will happen is the, uh, the scammers will go into the, uh, into the stores. They'll take the card off the rack. There are a lot of gift card scams, but one of which they will do is they'll read the code on the strip on the back and the number on the front, and then they'll put the card back in the display. Then they periodically check with the retailer or call its 800 number to find out whether that card's been activated and once the balance is on the card. When they find it's been activated, they can uh, either create a counterfeit card using that information or just purchase things knowing the number. So the way to protect yourself is when you buy a gift card, don't buy one from those racks that are outside. Only buy one from behind the customer service desk. And by the way, speaking of gift cards, no company is going to ask for uh, you to pay by way of a gift card. And the scammers scammers are contacting people saying they're the IRS and you owe us this money and you've got to pay us by gift card. It's a sad commentary that the IRS has had to put a warning on their website, we don't demand payment by gift card. Wow. So, uh, so far, um, credit cards and the Internet seem to be the, uh, the portal to being scammed. <laughs> It makes me just want to go to my local store and pay cash. <laughs> let's, let's go to let's go to number five. What do we yeah. what do we have at five? Um, deliveries. Everybody's getting something. Deliveries, and here it's you know we have certainly we have the porch pirates we can talk about, but mm. to me one of the things where they are adapting so much is there are delays. And, you know, we're having delays from the, the Postal Office, Federal Express, UPS, Amazon. Right. And so the, the scammers know there are so many delays. They are contacting people on the phone, emails, text messages. And uh, they're saying, unfortunately, there's been a delay in your order, and you're, they're offering you a refund of your money. Pretty good. And there's a link for you to click on to process your claim for a refund. Oh. There is no refund, and if you click on that link, you're automatically going to uh, download malware that will uh, get information that will make you a victim of identity theft or load malware on there like ransomware that will uh, lock up your computer until you pay a ransom. So the thing to do is my other motto, trust me, you can't trust anyone. Uh, even if that email address looks legitimate, you don't click on that link. In this case, what you do is you go to UBS, um, Amazon, Federal Express directly and find out uh, if they're, uh, you know, if they contacted you. And by the way, none of them are uh, offering uh, refunds. I've heard stories about, um, and I don't mean this to disparage people that are working hard to be delivery people or drivers, but um, that uh, certain companies, and I won't name which ones again, I don't want to get sued, 
um, <laughs> are uh, where the drivers actually are are stealing from the packages, um, opening them up, and you wind up with nothing in the box, um, and uh, with a notice on it saying this arrived damaged. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I, wow! You know, I hadn't even heard that, uh, but it, I, I've had it happen to me. It surprise me. I've had it happen to me, and it happened to a friend of mine. Um, and, and the similarities were such that um, I, I've heard um, a little bit about that. You and I'll talk more about it so that you can get it into scamicide. But that um, this porch piracy thing has many dimensions to it. The other, the other aspect of porch piracy, which is not has nothing to do with scams, but it just has to do with changing culture. You know, changes in technology create changes in sociology. That the idea that suddenly part of what we consider to be the normal mail are boxes. We, yeah. you know, used to be, you know, UPS or FedEx delivers a box. It was, it was you know, kind of a unique situation. Mm. Now, uh, every day, at any time, seven days a week, you can have somebody, you know, on your porch or wherever dropping off a box. It, it's, it's like it doesn't know from weekends or holidays. It's just always. And you, there always are boxes in apartment buildings and in condos and co-ops. They, they're having a major problem, you know, with the size of the mailroom. The, the, the mailroom and the lobbies are not big enough for them to handle the constant flow of boxes to the apartment buildings. So not only are people stealing them, um, they, they're having to redesign. How do we go about distributing mail to people in these situations? Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, this, this entirely has changed things. I mean, I, I heard a joke the other day. Someone uh, had not received a, uh, a package in two days, and the Amazon uh, deliverer stopped off to make sure the woman was okay. Are you all right? You haven't gotten anything in two days. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah, all right, let's, let's go to, I think we're at number six now. Um, let's, let's, get, let's roll through this. I want to get them all in. Yeah, let's talk about the porch pirates, because this is something uh, that uh, happens a lot. And uh, you have the, the scammers just going through the neighborhoods and looking for those packages and grabbing them. And this is something where you can request for deliveries that there's a signature. You can also have uh, make sure that someone is going to be home, or if they're not, you can have it uh, delivered to a neighbor that you know is going to be home. And, uh, again, asking for a signature is a, a good thing. Um, there are uh, lockers that you can rent at local uh, package receiving centers. Amazon Prime even has something called the Amazon Key Home Kit, and it comes with an app, a smart lock, and a security camera. And when the delivery is going to be made to your home, you can unlock your home remotely through the app to allow the delivery person to bring the package inside while a security uh, camera observes the delivery person in the process. When the delivery is completed, you relock your home using the app. That's uh, a pretty high-tech way of doing that. You know, another thing is the, uh, the scammers are stealing mail out of the mailboxes of people. And sometimes it may be, you know, credit card uh, information uh, that comes with your credit card statement. Other times people will put outgoing mail into their mailbox, flip up that little red flag but to alert the mail carrier. But that also alerts the identity thief. Hey, there's something going out, and maybe it's a good old-fashioned check or something else that they can turn into money. The Postal Service has something called informed delivery, and it's really terrific, uh, although there's a plus and a minus. What happens is the day before you're going to get your mail, you go on your online to your uh, informed delivery account, and it's free, and you get a, uh, a visual 
of what is coming to your mailbox. And so you know that's a day you've got to have somebody get that mail out right away. Now, I say the negative side of this. I think everyone should get this. And one reason I think everyone should get this is not only is it positive to do, if you don't, the bad guys will set up an account in your name, and so that way they don't have to cruise the neighborhood. Uh, they're just all they have to do is look at the informed delivery, and they see you're going to be getting a check or something in the mail uh, that's worthwhile for them, and they grab it. So uh, the postal service's informed delivery is a is a really good thing to do. That's Bentley University law professor and founder of Scamicide.com, a true hero, Steve Weissman, talking about the twelve scams of Christmas, part one. Join Join us next week for part two. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap, an overview of the national conversation. Looking back at the week of Monday, November 29th through Friday, December 3rd, 2021. Looking ahead, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever lurking unknown factor, that unanticipated surprise story that can take the national conversation spinning off. <laughs> in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. I can be reached via email at michaelatalkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Wrap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening. The Michael Harrison Rap is a production of Good Phone Communications in conjunction with Talkers Magazine and Talk Media Network. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. <laughs>